Chapter 8 of Mildred at Roselands by Martha Finley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Amy. Chapter 8. I have deeply felt the mockery of the hollow shrine at which my spirit knelt. Whittier. Mildred had been alone for several hours, very profitable ones to her, when opening the door in answer to a gentle rap, she found Mr. Dinsmore standing there. If you will invite me in, he said with a smile, I may perhaps accept. Do come in, uncle, she replied, returning the smile. It is very pleasant here, and I can give you a warm welcome. See, my fire is blazing cheerily, and does not that easy chair look inviting yes he answered taking her hand and gazing searchingly into her face seeing something there that puzzled him greatly for though the traces of tears were very evident it wore a look of peace that had been foreign to it of late but what is the matter not bad news from home i hope no oh no she said they were all well and nothing amiss when mother wrote but her eyes filled and her lips quivered as she spoke homesick i'm afraid he said kindly patting and stroking the hand he held the natural effect of news from there i suppose especially in this wretched weather but don't give up to it my dear we'll find ways to make the times pass pleasantly in spite of the storm home sports amusing books you are very kind always dear uncle she said with a grateful look but it is not that i have been living too much for mere amusement of late and with burning cheeks and tear-dimmed eyes she went on to explain in a few rapid sentences how condemned she felt on account of the waste of time and opportunities for improvement and the worldly conformity of which she had been guilty and how she had determined by god's help to do so no more he listened in much surprise but did not interrupt her when she had finished there was a moment's silence she sitting with downcast eyes her breast still heaving with emotion he gazing musingly into the fire presently he turned to her again with a kindly smile thank you my dear for your confidence he said pleasantly but really i do not see that you have done anything to be distressed about it strikes me you were fairly entitled to a few weeks of playtime after the fatigues of that long nursing and the journey here perhaps so she said but i haven't taken just the right sort so much excitement and such late hours have wearied instead of rested me physically and on my spiritual nature the effect has been still worse i blame no one but myself she added humbly and with a deprecating look into his grave somewhat troubled face i am afraid i have been your tempter he said though i meant well but i ought to have remembered the strict ideas entertained by your parents in which they had brought you up well what can i do to retrieve my error and to help you in living as you think you should it mostly depends upon myself i think she answered thoughtfully but if you will not oppose me in declining invitations to what i deem to be wrong or questionable amusements and will excuse me from attendance in the drawing-room on sundays when there is company it will help me very much my dear girl he returned you are of course perfectly free to do exactly as you please in both respects we appreciate your society but if you think best to withdraw it from us we can only submit i will arrange with mrs dinsmore that young people shall be invited on weekdays and only older people whom you will not feel called upon to entertain on sundays she thanked him warmly and you will give up the opera and theatre he said inquiringly i thought you enjoyed them very much i did she answered blushing then why resign so innocent a pleasure it is not innocent for me uncle she said lifting her glistening eyes to his it utterly destroys the spirit of devotion i come from them with my mind full of the play and thoughts about dress and the gay people i have seen and with no heart for prayer or the study of god's word and the short-lived pleasure i derive from them is nothing to be compared with the sweet peace and joy they rob me of but if you persist in such a course of conduct you will be sneered at as self-righteous puritanical and what not politely to your face more disagreeably behind your back i am willing to be singular for christ she answered her eyes kindling oh how little that would be to bear for him compared with what he endured for me how much less i resign than multitudes of others have given up for him moses chose 
rather to suffer affliction with the people of god than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season esteeming the reproach of christ greater riches than the treasures in egypt and you purpose to begin doing something in the way of study and the cultivation of your accomplishments he said inquiringly not unwilling to change the subject of conversation yes uncle i should like to accept your generous offer to let me share the instructions of adelaide's masters in music and painting french and german and miss worth's in the higher mathematics all that will keep you pretty busy even without the reading you are sure to do he commented with a smile usefully employed she answered brightly and that i have learned from experience it's a way to be happy the first sneer mildred had to bear came from mrs dinsmore who heard with great vexation her husband's report of the young girl's resolve. "'Ridiculous!' she exclaimed. "'If there's anything I do detest and despise, it is your rigid, puritanical secretary, who stands ready to cry out, sinful, wicked, every sort of enjoyment. I am too much provoked. She is really a pretty and ladylike girl, and has attracted a good deal of attention, so that I was actually growing quite proud of her, and took pleasure in showing her off. But that is all over now, of course.' and there will be no end to the annoyance I shall have to endure in hearing her criticized for her odd behavior, and in parrying questions and remarks as to how she came by such strange notions. Well, my dear, it can't be helped, Mr. Dinsmore responded, between a smile and a sigh. But if I were you, I should very decidedly snub any one who should offer a disparaging remark about her to me. Being myself, I certainly intend to do so. Can't be helped. I believe you could reason her out of it if you would. I'm flattered by your belief, but do not share it he said with a bow of acknowledgment, nor, if I did, would I attempt to change her views. It would be too great a responsibility, and a breach of the trust her parents have reposed in me. The conversation was here brought to a conclusion by the summons to the dinner-table. Mildred made her appearance with the rest, and was greeted by Mrs. Dinsmore with a cold inquiry after her health, followed by a covert taunt in regard to her resolve to forsake the worldly amusement in which she had of late indulged. Mildred bore it with patience and humility, not answering again, though the flushing of her cheek showed that she felt the unkindness keenly enough. "'Do you intend to make a complete hermit of yourself and go nowhere at all?' queried the irate lady. "'Oh, no, aunt,' returned Mildred pleasantly. "'I hope still to take walks, rides, and drives, and do not object to calls and social visits, or to concerts or lectures, unless attending necessitates the keeping of later hours than are good for my health. Hm! "'Twould have been wiser to my thinking if you'd begun as you meant to continue.' "'Yes, aunt, it would,' Mildred said, again colouring deeply. "'And I wish I had. "'But it is better to do right at last than not at all. "'Do you not think so?' "'Don't ask me,' sharply. "'Adelaide, Louise, and Laura, you may consider yourselves fortunate "'in having a cousin who is more capable of deciding questions of duty than your parents. "'I trust you will not fail to profit by your excellent example, "'not that which she has set you, observe, "'but that which she is going to set you in the future.' "'The children giggled, while Mildred coloured more deeply than before.' A frown had gathered on Mr. Dinsmore's brow. "'Children, if you cannot behave properly, you must leave the table,' he said sternly. Then, with a displeased look at his wife, "'I, for one, highly approve of Mildred's resolve to do what she considers her duty, and it is my desire that she be allowed to follow the dictates of her conscience in peace.'" Mr. Dinsmore was an indulgent husband, and seldom found fault with anything his wife chose to do or say. But experience had taught her that, when he did interfere, she might as well submit at once. The subject was dropped, and never revived again in his presence. With her accustomed promptness and energy, Mildred sought out Miss Worth that very afternoon, made arrangements for her recitations, and began her studies. She determined to devote four hours a day to them and her accomplishments, 
As she was accustomed to early rising, and the breakfast hour at Rosalind's was late, it would not be difficult, she thought, to secure two hours before that meal. The other two she would take during Mrs. Dinsmore's afternoon siesta, and the elaborate toilet which usually followed, and thus be as much as ever at that lady's command as a companion, either at home or abroad. Mrs. Dinsmore had few resources within herself, was a martyr to ennui, and could not bear to be alone, and Mildred esteemed it both a duty and a pleasure to do all in her power to add to the comfort and enjoyment of her kind entertainers. She had succeeded thus far in doing so, in some measure, to all, from her uncle down to baby Anna. The children had found out weeks ago that Cousin Milly possessed an apparently inexhaustible fund of nursery tales and songs, and could teach them many amusing games. They would have been glad to monopolize her, and entered many a complaint of the shortness and infrequency of her visits to the nursery. Thinking of that now, she resolved to try to give them more of her time and attention. Perhaps she could mingle some instruction with the amusement she furnished them, and she would be very glad to do so, for her heart was filled with pity for the young things, as she thought of the great difference between their mother and hers, the one absorbed in her own selfish pleasures, and paying no attention to the cultivation of the minds and hearts of her children the other giving herself with earnest, whole-souled devotion to seeking the best interests of her darlings, teaching and training them for happiness and usefulness, here and hereafter. Precious mother, what a blessing to have been born your child, Mildred mentally exclaimed, as she thus dwelt upon the contrast between the two, recalling with tear-dimmed eyes the loving care that had surrounded her from her very birth, and in which each brother and sister had an equal share. While Mildred thus lay her plans, Mrs. Dinsmore was somewhat similarly employed. Reclining upon a softly cushioned couch in her boudoir, idly listening to the pattering of the rain against the window, she mused in discontented mood of Mildred and her unexpected resolve. It interfered with her schemes, for she had purposed filling the house with gay young company during the approaching Christmas holidays, and making the two weeks one continued round of festivity. To be sure, she could do so still, but Mildred's refusal to take part in much of the sport would throw a damper upon the enjoyment of the others besides giving occasion for unpleasant criticisms. Mrs. Dinsmore's vexations increased, as she turned the matter over in her mind. But a bright thought struck her, and, starting up with something like energy, she exclaimed, half aloud, "'Why, that's the very thing, and I'll do it at once.' Hagar, addressing her maid, "'Bring me my writing-desk.'" End of chapter 8 Recording by Amy